1: Battery Power Podcast Network. I'm Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my co-host Stephen Talbert. How are you tonight, Stephen?
2: What's up, Chris? Yeah, it's been it's been a fun week since we last talked. Braves have been playing well. They've just won the first three against St. Louis. They're playing the fourth one as we record, so it's been fun. We got an interesting show tonight.
1: Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this game though, and and the performance that Spencer Strivers uh, put together tonight is pretty unbelievable. You know, we'll leave some of that to Brad and, and Braden and Scott and guys this weekend, but uh, we want to really uh, focus in on uh, trade deadline. We're what maybe four weeks away, three and a half weeks away. Uh, it's starting to become a an, a pretty important topic. You know, it's something that uh, it's going to be in in the news uh, going forward. I think so. Uh, what I thought we might do tonight is just kind of go position by position, look at the look at the depth, look at the uh, storyline surrounding them, and uh, and just see, you know, where we think it might make sense to for the Braves to go out and uh, and and make a move or or maybe not make a move. So, uh, does that sound good for you? Sounds good. All right, well, let's do it. I, th- I think the obvious place to start's the the rotation. You know, this starting rotation's been. Pretty solid, all uh, at, at least to start the season. Uh, they've had four four of the five spots, you know, have been pretty locked down. Spencer Strider kind of came in and, and locked down that fifth spot uh, when nobody else could. But now Ian Anderson's been a little bit up and down and mostly down of late. Uh, I know he did have a good outing his last time out, but he still scattered eight hits over, over five innings, didn't give up a one run. But that's something to keep an eye on, I think, going forward. You know, there's a couple of a couple of storylines here as far as the rotation, and I know I read something today on MLB.com that uh, they predicted the Braves to be in the market for a starter. What are your thoughts on the rotation? I mean, what do you where do you think they're at? You know, and and do you think that this is the area that they might look to add somebody?
2: So, the rotation is always interesting because one, and Alex has said this a couple of years now in a row, pretty much everybody. Is looking for pitching at this time of year. You know, not everyone's looking for a third baseman, not everyone's looking for a left fielder, not everyone's looking for a catcher, but pretty much everyone's looking for pitching. And so what always happens at the trade deadline for starters is that price, the price to acquire these guys is just insanely high. You know, the Braves could probably use another starter if we're being honest. Spencer Strider is never. He's never pitched at this, obviously, at this level, but he's also never reached the the kind of innings that he's going to reach this year. Um, obviously, if he stays a starter, he's going to pretty easily get to 120, 130, maybe 140 innings this year, and he's never done that, and he's a rookie, and, you know, guys like that usually hit a wall at some point or, you know, if there's not a self-imposed innings limit, which Alex did an interview today and said that There wasn't that he wasn't going to be on an innings limit, but you know I don't know how real that is. You know I don't know how many of I don't know how much of your cards you want to show before the trade deadline. So that's a position where you might want an extra guy. You know Ian Anderson hasn't been great this year. For being honest, you know the 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 peripherals are all down, strikeouts are down, walks are up, homers are up, velocity is down. You know it's it just hasn't been a a great showing for Ian this year, and that might be a spot where you're concerned. The Braves do have Kyle Mueller in the in triple A, so it's not a necessity necessarily. And I, and you know, the wild card, of course, is, is Mike Soroka. No one really knows what the, the Braves are going to get from him. And I, I'm assuming that they're probably treating Mike as a just a bonus option at this point. Anything they get from him is probably going to be just a bonus. So I could definitely see a scenario where they need a starting pitcher. I can more likely see a scenario where they would add bullpen help to mitigate. You know, Alex does that sometimes if he doesn't feel like he did it in the offseason. If, if he doesn't feel like he can get a starter, the next best thing is to fortify the bullpen. But we'll get into the bullpen here in a minute. But starters are just so expensive. There's not a lot of them. With a new wildcard spot, there's one less. You know, there's one more playoff spot in each, in each league, which means, you know, that's one or two or three more sellers that are, that are not going to be around this trade deadline. So I imagine the the price for the guy, the top guys, Luis Castillo of the Reds, the kind of the top guy that comes to mind, but the price for those guys is just going to be so insanely high. Braves, you know, aren't really loaded with prospects anymore at this point. Uh, you know, early on, I would have said they're definitely going to go get a starter. I would probably amend that now to, uh, I would actually probably lean towards the, they, they're not going to get a starter, not because they don't want one, but just because it's so expensive and, they do have some depth, depending on where Soroka is in his rehab, where they can, they can weather a couple injuries. So, uh, every, you know, things can change. One of their guys could get hurt tomorrow and all this changes. But as it stands right now, I would say they probably will not get a starting pitcher at the deadline.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, talking about Strider, I think Brian Snicker talked about uh, an innings limit for him today too, and and said there wasn't one. But, and I'm not really terribly surprised either because they will say a lot of times that uh, they will monitor the guy's workload, how hard he's working, you know, how many high stress endings he has, you know, it is a situation where maybe they give him an extra day here or there have a six, uh, a six man rotation and all, which will be easier if Mike Stroka makes it back, which we'll talk about him in in just a second again, but uh, you know, they can, they can do some things to to lighten the load on Strider. But, you know, and I mean it's the interesting thing. You know, as we're sitting here, you know, they're two and a half games out. They really, and he's been one of their best starters. I mean, they really can't afford to lessen him right now, you know, I mean, he's, he's pitching very key innings for this rotation. So, you know, it's an interesting, it's going to be an interesting balance. Uh, You know, as long as I think as long as he's not showing velocity loss or, or, you know, is hurting or anything, then uh, I think they'll, they'll just continue to monitor him without maybe putting uh, they may have a number internally, uh, but publicly, of course, they'll never release that. But
2: I think it's also important that Charlie Morton has looked more like Charlie Morton. In the last month, if the guy that we saw in April was still the guy pitching right now, yeah, then my my answer might change. But he's looked so good. Charlie Morton's looked so good his last five or six starts. Um, even if Ian Anderson is not pitching great, you know the other four guys are pitching so well. You could probably even just weather that.
1: If you look at the postseason last two years, you know just having four guys, uh, four yep. capable guys, that almost feels like a luxury. I mean, when you look at what they've had to piece together and I mean, even in winning a world series in 2021, you know, they still, they were still piecing together a a rotation and going, you know, with the openers and and whatnot. And I don't think that was something that they really wanted to do. It was just something that they had to do because of the hand they were dealt. So um, it is interesting. Mike Soroka, um, I think early this week, Brian Snicker said he was getting close to going out on a, Rehab assignment, and then there was a report that he he took a he took a, a line drive off the knee that was going to set him back a few days. I don't think it was serious or anything. It's best just to, you know, not have a whole lot of expectations for Mike Sorokin. If you get anything out of him, then that's just a bonus, kind of a wild card. I feel like when he gets back, they're going to start him, and it, it may be like a six man deal. It might be in a piggyback role. With Spencer Strider potentially, you know, I'm just talking out loud here. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it will look like. And and there could be an injury. And, and you know, and then at the same point, you know, we're talking about Ian Anderson. Uh, uh I think they really need him to put it together. He's been he's pitched good on uh innings for them in the postseason, especially. Uh we know how good he's been, but like you as you said, it's it's been off this season, uh, from yeah. the start. You know, and I think he's one that you can really kind of look to that shortened spring. It's like he's been trying to catch up, uh, it seems like all, all season long. So uh, but there is some depth here on the 40 man. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Muller. He he made he's made one start in Atlanta this year. It wasn't good, uh, but he's quietly put together a really good season so far at Gwinnett. If they do swing a big trade, you know, I think he's somebody you kind of keep an eye on, especially given what they've got exactly, and you know, and all these guys that I'm about to mention Tucker Davidson, Waskar Yanoa, Bryce Elder, all those guys have, have made starts at the major league for the major league team this year. You know, you could see those are the type of names that could still end up playing a part down the stretch, or they could be, you know, somebody like Bryce Wilson was last year at the deadline, you know, who could be headed elsewhere.
2: Yeah, that, that's where I see it heading more is that. And maybe not, maybe not Mueller specifically, but I could see Davidson. I could see, you know, uh, I could see Bryce Elder. I could see those guys being used as currency in trades, um, because those are the type of guys. You know, when you, the Braves aren't going to go get a an All Star with five years of team control, they just don't have the prospects for that. The type of guys the Braves are going to get are, are more likely to be the guys, the kind of guys I got last year, rentals. Guys who maybe aren't having the best seasons, but there's some peripheral numbers that maybe look strong that you could bet on. And the good thing about those guys is they don't cost a lot. They don't really talk, you know, they don't require top prospects to get. And so I could definitely see those guys being used in those types of trades. And we should point out that if the Braves do want to go get a starter, you know, again, I don't think that's a, a the highest need at the moment. But if they do, there are some interesting names. You know, Frankie Montas of the of of Oakland. Is out there. He's had some injury problems here recently, but I I think I heard that it's not that serious. He's expected to make his next start. Obviously, Luis Castillo. You know, the Reds have a couple of guys. Tyler Molly. The Braves just went up against in Cincinnati is a solid starter. You know, there are some guys that if they wanted to add to the depth, if they got an injury, they could go after. But yeah, I I don't see it at this point unless there's a, a significant injury. I think they're more likely. To roll with
1: what they have. Let's move over into the bullpen and, and take a look at uh, kind of it. I mean, it's, I think it's been a real strong group uh, of late. Uh, although we've, we've, you've seen how in recent days, how a couple of injuries could alter things. Tyler Matsit just came back, looked pretty good in one instant. I know they said they were going to ease him back into high leverage situations. I think the velo was down. I think I saw some comments about that. I don't know how concerning that is yet you know he's it's been down pretty much the whole season uh he says he's pain free that's a big you know if you can get him back to anywhere close to where he was last year that's a that's a huge addition um kenley jansen's we talked about last week went on the injured list with the irregular heartbeat all indications are he's going to be ready to come back as a as soon as IL times up, so you know there, there's there's another big gun returning. It's going to be an interesting decision to see who uh, goes off the roster because uh, you can't carry but 13 pitchers now. Uh, so uh, that's I think that's a good place to start. I mean, who do you think's the odd man out when Jensen comes back?
2: Yeah, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but it's there's not. I mean, there's not really an obvious guy that you drop. Obviously, with the pitcher limit now, you have to drop somebody when Jansen comes back. But, you know, if they're not confident that Tyler is fully back, you know, like you said, his Vila was down his last outing or his first outing back off the IL. But his Vila has been down all year. So, you know, I don't know how new that is or if they feel like another IL stint would change that at all. But I guess technically they could just put him back on the IL if they wanted to try to keep everybody um, and try to keep him. You know, they did kind of rush his rehab a little bit. I think they, they needed some bullpen help when Kenley went down. And so they could always put him back on the I.L. if they feel like he still needs some time. You know, Darren O'Day is always the, the obvious name just because of age and, and stuff. But, you know, I think he plays a pretty big role in the clubhouse. I think they can, you know, I think the the whole bullpen kind of loves him. He's kind of the, the glue guy down there. And we all know how much Snit loves his his veterans. So um, I, I have a hard time seeing that. I hate to say it, but you know, the most likely guy is probably Dylan Lee, just because he's got options. And oftentimes when you have options and there's a, uh, there's a crunch, then you're the guy that gets uh, the short end of the stick. And, you know, Dylan Lee has been an incredible since he's been up. I, of course, I don't want him to go down. He's been awesome. And, you know, he's, he's earned a spot in the big league bullpen, but, you know, if they don't want to put Matzik on the IL and if they don't want to drop O'Day, then there's not really a great answer. So, It will be very interesting to see. And my guess is somebody will will make an IL trip just to to facilitate the adding Jansen back is my guess. But, you know, you can never predict who that's going to be. They might have somebody who actually needs an IL trip. Somebody's got a sore arm or pulled groin or, you know, injuries always pop up. So that would be my guess if I had to predict today.
1: Yeah, it seems like the other option would be Jackson Stevens. Um, But, you know, he's been kind of a Swiss Army knife for him. I mean, we've seen him close games. We've seen him, you know, come in and and give multiple innings. He's already survived a couple of these roster situations, too, and he's out of options. So, I agree with you. I mean, to me, it looks like, you know, I don't think they're kind of short on right-handed guys anyway. So I kind of fit, lean towards it's probably going to be Dylan Lee, but man, he's allowed two earned runs over 17 innings since he's been up in the majors. So, you know, he pulled for that guy, you know, I, and I I believe he would uh, he will definitely figure in down the stretch if it does do that. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on uh, when Kenley does come back because uh, that's going to be a, a fascinating decision um, as far as the bullpen though uh, Kirby Yates supposed to be working his way back from Tommy John I kind of slide uh slot him into the same deal as as Soroka I think if you get anything out of him uh that's great and everything but I don't think you should automatically count on it uh you know guys we've seen guys come back from Tommy John and and be good to go and then we've also seen guys come back you know and it takes a little longer I, but he should he should be if everything goes right he should be um you know, starting a a rehab assignment sometime after the all-star break. I think that was the plan we'd heard uh, early in the season. Uh, As far as depth piece is still on the 40 man roster. William Woods is, has returned or is close to returning. I know Jesus Cruz has logged some big innings, and then Jay Jackson, of course, just got optioned and activated off the 60 day. And I think, you know, he was pretty good for the giants uh, as another Swiss army type of uh, reliever could do a lot of things. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix at some point, too. But, you know, trying to fit 13 pitchers, um, you know, that's basically just eight, eight relievers. There's a lot of options there. And, uh, you know, I, I think they will go out and they'll look for ways to make the team better. But, you know, uh, fitting them in and, and figuring out who you part with, I think that's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, I think I think Kirby, Kirby Yates is definitely the wild card. I mean, obviously a lot like Soroka is if they feel like he's healthy and it's going to be able to contribute to the bullpen, you know, August, September, October, then there is a scenario where they don't add bullpen. But if they don't, if they don't feel like he's there or will be there come September, then the Braves could probably use another right-handed reliever. You know, when when Luke Jackson went down, that was kind of the Braves high-leverage right-handed reliever. Spencer Strider played that role couple of times before he got moved into the rotation.
0: You know, they brought
2: in Colin McHugh to play that role. He's had a, he's had actually a pretty good year. He's had some couple of uh, notable blowups at times. And, and so that that's, I think that's hurt his trust level with, in terms of Snicker, how much Snicker trust him a little bit, but he's had a, he's had a really solid season. Um, but the Braves probably want to add another right-handed reliever, I would guess. You know, because on the left side, they you know, they have Minter, they have Smith, you know, they have Dylan Lee if they wanted, it. He's been so good. You know, I, honestly, if the playoffs started today, I think Dylan Lee would probably be on the roster.
1: Yeah, I do too.
2: And so you, you've got three, you know, I understand Will Smith's not having the best year, but he's going to be on the team regardless that, you know, nothing's going to change that. So when you've got those three guys, Tyler Matsick obviously is still out there. Um, You don't know what you're going to get from him just because of the injuries and and the velo drop, but he is still out there. You know, the right-handed side is where there's more question marks, in my opinion, and how – is Jesse Chavez really this good? It's been amazing to watch him, but if he – you know, starting tomorrow, if he turns into a pumpkin, I don't know if anybody's going to be, like, overly shocked. You could probably say the same about Jackson Stevens. He's been incredible so far, but is it real? Is it this good? Can you trust this in October? So, and then obviously with Jansen, you know, he's had the heart problems for a long time now. This is not a new thing for him, but how trustworthy, you know, is he? You know, obviously he's healthy. He's a he's guy that you want in the ninth inning, but can he stay healthy? He's, he's obviously up there in age. So if I had to guess, the Braves, if they do make a trade for a reliever, are looking for a right-handed high-leverage to semi-high-leverage reliever to complement. What I think is probably a more stable set of lefty relievers.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you made a good point right there when talking about Jansen. I mean, Jansen—he's been great all season long. Um, you know, I know there's been a hiccup or two here, but that's just the way it is with a closer when you're you're pitching and you're always usually pitching in close games like that. But you know, he's really locked down the ninth for Atlanta, and we've seen this over the last week or so without him. You know, they've, they've went to Will Smith, who was, it's, you know, he hasn't really, it's been, it's been up and down. It's been the, the full Will Smith experience, you know, and, and, and he's used Mentor a little bit there. If, I think if there is concerns about Jansen, hey, you know, it would, might not be the worst thing to go out there and get another right handed guy that could close uh, games. Maybe that's Kirby Yates. Um, but that is a good point and it is something to keep an eye on, you know, hope hopefully J- Jansen's back and, uh, you know, we never we don't have to worry about this situation again. Uh, but it does. I do agree. I think it does. It is worth mentioning and, um, you know, something to consider uh, when we start seeing him back out on the field again.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience.
2: And the, the guy I would look at just to keep an eye on if you're looking for a potential trade target is David Robinson of the Cubs. Uh, he was out last couple of years with injury. He signed that big contract with Philly, it didn't work out, but he's been really good for them this year. Uh, he's a he's a veteran. He's a right hander. He's pitched at the end of games. He's pitched in the postseason, and so he's a veteran. Obviously, Snit loves that, and he's a rental. And, you know, like we said earlier, that's what Alex is going to be looking for in terms of cost, just because of, you know, the prospect capital that the Braves don't have anymore. So, David Robinson is definitely a guy, the Cubs, that, you know, if the Braves do go out and get a reliever, that would be, I don't know if he's top of my list. I'd have to look through the whole league, but um, he he would be close to the top because he just, he checks
1: a lot of boxes. All right, moving on to the uh, position players. A- after what we went through, uh, the Braves went through last season uh, at catcher, uh, having Travis Darnall and and William Contreras this year has been has been so good, uh, you know. Because I mean, it was just man, it was bleak at times last season, you know, when they were just trying to p- piece that together. Obviously, you already had a, a pretty a, a significant, a very significant injury with Manny Pena going down for the season, but. You know, I don't think they could have uh, really predicted that Contreras was going to contribute this well this early. Uh, I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys go uh, 50-50 almost with uh, Darnell start alternating starts the way we saw with Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki a few years back, honestly, just to try to keep both of them healthy. You know, catchers, they're pretty set. I think this is probably the position that, you know, barring an, an unforeseen injury, uh this is what we're gonna get. Uh it would get interesting if if there was an injury, especially if it happened after the all star after the uh trade deadline, uh, because there's no waiver trades anymore. You know, I think at that point we'd probably be looking at something like Chadwick Trump or a you know a free agent or something. But uh, you know, hopefully hopefully this is the this is the group going down the stretch. And uh, you know, I, I don't even want to think about the uh worst case scenario.
2: Yeah. And, and I think a lot of Braves fans probably still have some version of PTSD from last year watching Kevin Smith and, and Jeff Mathis. And I can't even remember all their names. Just, you know, basically yeah. be the worst, the worst collection of catchers in, in the league last year. And obviously Travis has been healthy this year. Knock on, knock on wood, knock on something. You know, that's been kind of the big thing in his career is being able to stay healthy. I think you're right. I think having somebody to split time almost, you know, 50-50, I think it's helped him. And I I agree with you. I hope they continue to do that. I I wouldn't mind seeing William catch a little more than he is now, to be honest, just to try to keep those guys healthy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no real way to add catcher depth at this point. You know, you're not really going to trade for a triple A guy. The the only way the Braves would make a move at catcher is if somebody got hurt between now and the trade deadline. Uh, I think that's the only way we would see a trade. And even then, there's not a ton out there. You know, obviously the Cubs probably going to trade Wilson Contreras, but that's going to be a a serious package of prospects. That's not going to be something the Braves are in. Sean Murphy of Oakland is probably a guy that's going to get moved just because he's a veteran and Oakland's obviously uh, a dumpster fire this year. So they're probably going to move him. But, yeah, I mean, we saw it last year. When catchers go down, there's just not a ton of options out there. And so unless somebody gets hurt between now and, and the trade deadline, I, you know, the Braves are going to stand pat with what they have. And if an injury happens after the trade deadline, then you just – unfortunately, you just got to piece it together like you did last year.
1: Yeah, well, you're hoping that somebody like Stephen Vogt or somebody you know becomes available after the yeah. fact, and and you know, like you said, it was a it was a dumpster fire on the field, but you know, from what we've read, Jeff Mathis and Stephen Boat played a, a pretty significant part off the field uh, with that group when they started to the, uh, make their run last season. So, you know, I think that's the type of player you'd be looking for, uh, honestly, and you'd hope that the whoever was still healthy could carry the load. You know, I thought it was important, you know, Travis when Travis came back last year and he never was really healthy and it showed with the bat, you know, but having him behind the plate, to handle the pitching staff was just, just huge down the stretch. So moving on, I think for me, this is my biggest question mark here. I mean, Ozzy Albies went down with the, with the foot injury, I, they've not been clear about a timeline for him um, that I've seen, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Uh, I, it's something to the fact that uh, you know we expect him back or we hope he's back. Orlando Arcia got off the a hot, hot start. Uh, we talked about him I think on the first episode of this podcast, but coming into Thursday, he was five for his last sixty and three for his last thirty-four overall. Uh, Phil Gosselin's made a few more starts uh, because Arcia has been struggling. I think if if there's any concern, if there's any thought that Albies might not come back, you know, going out and getting a left-handed some an infielder that could play second and could possibly play elsewhere, you know, I think that could be a real boost for this team. You know, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked. I don't like calling names uh, because so so often we're just completely wrong. Uh, but if there is a a left-handed utility type of guy out there you know I think if if there's any concern about Ozzy coming back I think that that could be an area that they could they could be focused on
2: yeah you know I said all those nice things about Orlando Garcia and then he just fell off the planet the last few weeks so
1: I still feel like you know Arcia. I think he's better than what i saw i just think he you know when he's he's starting it's like he's overexposed almost you know and it's yeah. just like well, the more he, the more you play i still think he's he's got value as a as a utility guy that you know fills in here or there at different positions and and the defense has been saw so, a uh, sound but you know yeah. i i think the more the more you run him out there regular you know the more the more the weight just uh builds on him
2: yeah and that does happen. I mean, we saw that a little bit last year when um, Adrianza had to play more than, you know, when he was just a pinch hitter early in the year, he was incredible. And then when the injuries happened and then they had to play full time, then, you know, the numbers tanked. And, and that's when Alex went out and made a bunch of trades for outfielders. And it's kind of a similar situation with Arcia. I think, you know, he he was playing really well as a, a pinch hitter and a spot starter. And when he starts every day, he's just gotten exposed. And that's, you know, that's kind of what happens with bench players. And so I do think I agree with you. I do think they will probably go out and add at least a middle infielder, probably a left-handed middle infielder. Those aren't terribly easy to find. There's not a ton of those guys out there, especially since there's just not as many sellers as there would normally be, you know, if, if the playoffs didn't expand, but I, I would guess that some sort of utility infield, you know, maybe utility outfield, just some, somebody who can play all over the diamond, can hit left-handed or,
0: or switch it, you
2: know, a lot like Adrianza did for the Braves last year. You know, I, I would love it if the Braves wouldn't got Adrianza or or somebody like him, but just somebody who can play in the middle infield, somebody, you know, like you said, we don't really know when Ozzy's coming back. Quite honestly, we don't know if Ozzy's coming back this year. They've been very vague and I think that's on purpose. That's not a, that's not a, a mistake on their part. They they clearly don't want to uh, pile on expectations when they don't really know if he's going to be back. But if they feel like he's not going to be back, then yeah, they they need to they they need an add another infielder because Orlando Orcia Phil Goslin, that's that's kind of rough, you know, in terms of, of going into the postseason with that kind of you know those kind of options. So that's if Ozzy's if they're if they're worried about when Ozzy's going to be back or if he's going to be back, then middle infield, left-handed, somebody can play second, maybe some short, maybe some third, somebody like that, that will be probably at the top of the list, at least at this point. Obviously, injuries can change that. But at this point, I think that's – and we say left-handed just because, you know, the Braves are just so right-handed in the lineup. And that's been a problem all year. You know, obviously, Eddie coming back helps that, having another uh, another decent bat that, that hits lefty. But when Eddie and Ozzie were out, it was just Matt Olson. Matt Olson was batting lefty and everyone else was right-handed. And uh, I don't really count Mike Ford as an option. So um, they definitely will want to add another lefty, potentially pinch it late in games if, if somebody's got a tough righty on the mound. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Middle infield, left-handed, that's probably Alex's number one target at this point.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even even if Ozzy returns, I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be the worst idea. And I think right. – uh, I think Alex was on, what was it? You shared a tweet with me today. It was Alex was on MLB uh, radio a few weeks back and talked about, uh, you know, the need to add a left-handed bat, even after Eddie Rosario came, come back. So, you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I was basing my, uh, my argument on the good news about the rest of the infield is it's set. Um, You know, you got Olson at first, you got Swanson at short, and you got Austin Riley at third and hopefully uh, those guys can stay healthy. They play every day. They're putting up, you know, good numbers. I mean, they've really, really carried the team um, from the get-go.
2: We need to say, you know, with the DH, obviously the DH is implemented this year. It wasn't last year, but with the DH, your bench is a lot less important. Obviously, there's just not, there's really very little pinch hitting anymore. So, you know, these these guys aren't going to play as much as, you know, the guys that were on the bench last year, but you know, when you already have a significant injury to Ozzie like the Braves have had and you're already using backup players in the starting lineup, you really do need to go fix your depth. And I think that, I think that's where Alex is going to focus.
1: Even if they don't see a ton of time, you know, you're, you're gearing up for the stretch run and the more depth right. you have, the, the better off you're going to be. So, all right, shifting gears back to the outfield. You know, well, this is a unit we've seen change a lot, uh, and the outlook changed a lot from uh, where we were on opening day. You know, it seems like ages ago we, we began the season with uh, Marcelo Zuna in left, Adam Duvall in center, and uh, Eddie Rosario in right. And, uh, you know, it seems like this situation's uh, stabilizing a bit now. Cunha's going to play every day in right. Michael Harris is going to play every day in center. And it seems like it may not be a straight platoon, but we're starting to see uh, Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall kind of in a platoon situation uh, in left field. Uh, Duvall started against the left-hander tonight. Eddie Rosario has been playing. Um, he's made, I think, three starts since coming back. So, you know, the good news is, is whoever's not in the lineup strengthens the bench, especially if you've already got William Contreras there. Uh, so you know, I, I thought this was an area that hey, they might have to go out and make a move. But I don't uh, now that Rosario's back. I think it's more of a wait and see, and uh, if he's anything close to where he's been in his career, I think the you know I think the outfield's kind of set.
2: The outfield is very very interesting to me because you know you you have Adam Duvall, you have Eddie Rosario, and in theory that makes just a perfect platoon in left, and that should work on paper at least. The problem is, Adam Duvall has been pretty terrible this year offensively. And does Alex feel like he needs to add another depth piece in the outfield just in case? You know, if you look at the numbers of Duvall, Rosario, Ozuna kind of collectively, at least offensively, it's been kind of rough this season, right? I mean, you know, you know, Acuna is going to play, you know, Michael Harris is going to play, but that, that left field DH combination, you know, are you happy with the Ozuna, Duvall, Rosario? Trio handling those two spots on a nightly basis, and if you are, if you're confident that the numbers are going to pick up, that the production's going to be there, then you you're probably set there. You don't really need to add more. If you're not, if you're worried about you know one of them or two of them or you know I guess even possibly three of them, then I I wouldn't be shocked if they went and added somebody. And one of the reasons I say that is just because, and we saw this last year, you know, there's typically a a decent amount of outfielders available. Um, Usually rentals, usually pretty cheap. You know, the Braves rebuilt their outfield last year and didn't use a single top prospect to do it. You know, you can get decent outfield help for pretty cheap. And so, you know, if Alex is, is nervous about any of these three guys or multiple of them in their production this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he went out and added another you know, another hitter, you know, they could easily take Heredia's spot on the on the roster. He's really not doing much these days, you know, now that the Braves have Harris. So that would be my only caveat is if, if they're at all worried about the the, the struggles of Duvall or, or Ozuna or Rosario at the plate this year, then I wouldn't be surprised just for how cheaply they could do it if, if Alex went out and added a, another bat in the outfield.
1: You know, the reason I, I centered on a platoon situation uh, it's a small sample, obviously, 70 plate appearances. But Adam Duvall's got 134 weighted runs created plus with them. The on-base percentage is still low, at 286, but he's slugging 585 against lefties, 870 OPS. Um, now, obviously, the more opportunities he gets, that probably comes down a little bit. I think the wild card in this is kind of Rosario. He hit his first home yep. run the other night. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's got his many hits now in a week as he had uh, before he went on the IL, you know, obviously you're hoping that, you know, he can come back. And and I don't know that he's there. I don't think – I'm not expecting him to be as scorching hot as he was down the stretch last year. But if he's – you know, if he can just be a reliable presence out there, that's a huge upgrade over what they've had. But I think, you know, like you said, we're still – we're still, what, three and a half weeks away. You know, if we get to the – if we get close to the deadline and Rosario's struggling – then you may, you may, they may have to make a move, uh, you know. So I, I think you know they're still. I think the jury's still out. I mean, they're probably putting fillers out. You know, they're doing their due diligence. But theory, if Rosario hits well and Duvall continues to hit against lefties, I think you can make it work. And Duvall's defensive ability and able to play you know, really all three positions if he absolutely needed to. Just gives you a little bit of ex- extra versatility as far as that goes. I think that combination can work as long as they buy into it and there's no no reason to think that they won't. The DH situation is another it's another good one. Uh you know, I've talked about Ozuna a lot. It's looked a little bit better here in uh, July. It's of course it's small sample, but the thing that got out at me, I really looked at his baseball savant page today. And there's a lot of red there, you know, in, in, the, in the categories you would expect. But um, the walk rate's down to almost a, league, uh, a career worst. The chase rate, he's chasing more. Um, that's, uh, he, that's stabilized a little bit of late. You know, he's not reaching as, as, quite as much. He's showing some signs. There's, there's at least a little bit of a reason to be optimistic about it. You know, but, if I mean, if he, he goes into another prolonged slump, then it kind of saps some of your depth. And I could see them going out and trying to get another outfield bat that they could also swing through it at DH. Um, where, are you buying uh, an Ozuna turnaround? I mean, he's had some big hits lately. I know he's, I saw a, a crazy stat from uh, Justin Toscano today uh, in the AJC. He, he talked about how Ozuna's come up with some big hits late in games and and was actually hitting pretty well, you know, late in, in, in key situations. But, uh, you know, the overall numbers, uh, have been disappointing, and it's been that way since you know he was just a uh, an MVP candidate in 2020.
2: Yeah, Ozuna is tricky. It's you know because you know baseball savant allows us to look at all of these expected numbers. You know how a guy is hitting and versus you know his production versus what his production should be based on neutral conditions. And you know if you if you look at Marcel Ozuna's expected numbers. And this is where a lot of people have planted their hope and and their, their trust and that his expected numbers are significantly higher than his actual numbers. Like he's underperforming his expected stats by quite a bit. And, and, you know, if you're lucky, then, you know, that those, that's an indication that better times are ahead, so to speak. Um, The problem and, and the reason I don't spend a lot of time on those numbers is because if you look at just his career you know, Marcelo Zuna has kind of always underperformed his expected numbers in terms of baseball savant. It's kind of a pattern with him. And it's never it's not to this extent. He's definitely underperformed them by more this year than normal. But you know, there's there's obviously some sort of blind spot in these expected stats when it comes to Ozuna, where there's a pattern. And it's not, you know, it's not just clear cut that he's just going to turn the corner and be the guy he was in 2020. You know the good thing for Ozuna is that even though he hasn't hit a ton, he has hit. Well, one, he's he's still hitting homers. He he's averaging about a homer a week. And two, like you said, he is coming up with at least big hits. They're not a lot of hits, but at least when he's getting them, they seem to be in in, in somewhat big spots. Uh, you know, last night, obviously the the game was zero zero, and he had a home run. Right? Obviously, you know that's that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and the Braves were on the win that game, so. You know, he has done that, and he's hit some big homers late in games. The worrisome part is that we're going on, you know, if you if you take into the at-bats he did have last year, you know, we're going on 500, 600 plate appearances with Ozuna, where he's a sub. You know, he's below league average in terms of his offensive production. And,
0: you know, when he's
2: your DH, obviously DHs provide nothing in the field. Um, when Ozuna does play in the field, it's it's a very, very large negative. Um, you know, they usually don't provide much on the bases. All of their value is tied into their their bat. And when you've got a guy who's your DH who's a below league average hitter, that's obviously a problem. Now, the other part of this is that Ozuno makes a lot of money. So, you know, he's not exactly just gonna get replaced, so to speak. But, you know, if they're worried about production long term, yeah, I really They're not going to – I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think anybody's going to take him off their hands in a trade. I think they're just going to have to play it out. But I do see a scenario where they try to go get another guy that can at least split time with him. You know, if Duvall and Rosario are going to split time, I really wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got another left-handed bat that could do the same thing with Ozuna uh, to face tough righties or whatever. So – you know, it just depends on what they think internally. I mean, that's really what all comes down to. is uh, Do they trust Ozuna? Do they feel like these expected metrics are going to eventually win the day? Are they worried about the fact that he kind of always underperforms these metrics? Just kind of what, what do they think? And I could see a scenario where, you know, Duvall has a hot July, Rosario has a hot July, and they just run with what they've got. And I could also see a scenario where one, two, or even all three of those guys kind of stay cold. And they look to, to add depth in the outfield. You know, I could really see either scenario.
1: Yeah, I don't give – I don't think there's any chance that we're going to see them move on from Ozuna at this point. I think he has turned the corner enough that uh, they wouldn't even think about that uh, at this point. And, you know, coming into Thursday night, to your point, it's five 500- hundred. 40 plate appearances it's with an 86 weighted runs created plus over the last two yeah. years now yeah. that also comes with a, a 244 batting average on balls in play and when you consider how hard he hits the ball that is a little bit you do raise your eyebrow at that a little bit but yeah he,
2: he should see some positive regression
1: at some point the thing to me i stop i stop short on is just how much he's not walking uh, if you go back to 2019, his last year with the Cardinals, he walked 11% of the time. If you go to 2020, he walked 14% of the time, which was, you know, he was never going to continue to do that. Uh, but, I mean, that season uh, shifted, uh, uh, made a lot of – it was unreasonable. It was a 60-game season. It was it a was small sample size. But, I mean, he basically walked or he was raking. Uh, that, was, that was pretty much the, the goal for it. Um, you know, he's swinging at a, ball, a lot of balls outside. the uh, His chase rate's up. Uh, but when you look at it, the strikeout rate's pretty static over the last three seasons, even going back to 2020. So, that to me, that tells me, you know, he, it's, it, he's getting some soft contact. He's getting himself out, you know, with that. And I think the ground ball rate's up a little bit. But I agree with you. I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think it's an important three and a half weeks for him if I could see him losing at bats. If Rosario and Duval got going, the uh, same thing with William Contreras, if he go, went through another hot streak, you know, if they're going down the stretch and Ozuna's just an automatic out, you know, I think you're going to see one of those other guys uh, probably get some DH at bats and 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 into the mix. And, uh, you know, and that may factor very well, very well could factor into what uh, what they do at the trade deadline if they try to get a, another left handed uh, uh, left-handed bat that they could DH or even play in left field.
2: And I think we also probably need, just for the sake of covering all the bases here, I, I do think we need to point out that, you know, Michael Harris is, you know, he's been very, very, very good, probably exceeded expectations at this point. But he's still a rookie, and, you know, it's not inconceivable, you know, a lot like Austin Riley did when he came up in 2019 where, you know, you're hot for the first two months, and then, you you know, the league catches up and you struggle. You know, they could want insurance, you know, if they – if if Michael Harris falls off a little bit and they don't want to necessarily play him every day. I don't think that would happen just because his defense is so good, but you know, you could talk yourself into another outfit or just, you know, between all of the concerns between Duvall, Rosario, Zuna, the fact that Harris is a rookie, the fact that Acuna is still dealing with the knee stuff and, you know, coming back from a serious injury, just one of those things by itself is probably not enough of a reason to go add somebody. But if you, if you add it all up collectively, that might be enough to where you to you know where Alex is just like you know what we're just going to add one more guy just in case and, and and also because Heredia's roster spot is really not doing much right now you know he's just kind of a a defensive replacement that doesn't come in a ton you know he's obviously not hitting it's very easy to find a roster spot for another outfielder if if you're so inclined so um
1: I'm going to get hate mail for this, but I'm, uh, you know, it is worth pointing out, and I, I think Michael Harris is going to be fine. I think he's going to have some, he's going to have some ups and downs at the plate, like all rookies do. Uh, but his walk rates three point six percent. His uh, woba is three fifty three. His expected weighted on is uh, three thirty five. So there's probably is some regression coming. But the thing you like about him is the defense is going to keep him in, in the lineup. stolen base he's got the speed you know on the bases when he does get on on and uh you know he's just been he's just shown an ability to to make adjustments so I feel like I feel like that walk rate will probably come up a little bit and as long as he just doesn't crater um you know I, I think it's gonna be hard to get him out of center field but you're right you know you you may they may want another option there just in case because they've got two other you know Travis Demerrit's is kind of is still on the forty man, uh, but he's not really an option for center field. And then, of course, Drew Waters. I feel like you know I don't. I think that would be an emergency case situation. I think they want him playing every day, and uh, that wouldn't be the case. Uh, you know, if he were to come to Atlanta right now. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting uh, over these next three and a half weeks just to kind of see where where they're at and how the narrative shifts as we get close after we get past the All Star Game, and then that that week, week or so, you know, lead up to the, uh, to the trade deadline.
2: And I'll say so much, so much of it is just going to come down to, to price, right? Like, you know, how much you want to do something or how much you, you need to do something changes relative to how much it costs, you know, even if it's not something you necessarily set out to do, if, if just a, a situation presents itself that a, a player that can, you know, maybe help you is available and the cost is really insignificant, then, you know, even if it's not at the very top of your list, it might be something you do just to have a little extra depth. You know, it really doesn't hurt. And then vice versa, you know, there might be, there might be something that you desperately need that's at the very top of your list. But, you know, if it's so cost prohibitive, and we've seen this with Alex before, if he doesn't like the cost, he just won't do the deal. He's not going, he, he does not force the issue in that way. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of times in that case, he'll go to his second or third need and add there to try to make up for the fact that he couldn't get his, his first. So, you know, it's really all just going to come down to cost who's available, you know, how many sellers there are, how many buyers, you know, with the extra playoff spot, like I said, it's, it changes the equation. Um, you know, it's probably more of a, of a seller's market just because more playoff spots equals more buyers. So it all come down to cost
1: yeah i know that's what they were hoping for when they added that extra wild card and uh you know hopefully it uh it does make it for an interesting race a interesting trade deadline and then an interesting um you know race down the at the end of the regular season you know just looking at back over uh alex anthopsis uh tenure here uh you know he's not afraid to have a big trade deadline i mean we saw it um we saw it when he went out and got all the b- bullpen reinforcements. And uh, um, I think it was – I don't th- remember if it was 2018 or 2019, but he went out and got Melanson, uh, Shane Green, and uh, uh, Chris Martin. Played a huge part, you know, down the stretch. Got them back in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, uh, and then last year, of course last year, I mean, we wrote that team off probably three times. And the last was when Acuna went down and, you know, and and there he went out and – he went out and filled the holes and uh, got it done. So, you know, I won't be terribly surprised if they're a little more active than what we're what we're uh, expecting. But I'm not expecting five trades like we what like we saw last year.
2: Yeah, this team just doesn't have that many holes. I mean, obviously things can change. It could be injuries or you know whatever. But as as we as we talk about it today, right now, this team just doesn't have that many holes. I mean, there's just you know you you definitely want to try to look at something for Albie's in case he's not back, or in case he's not, you know, 100% when he does come back, you know, you might want to look at bullpen, Um, you might want to look at outfield, but, you know, last year's team, they needed to add talent to do anything, like, they had to add legitimate talent just to keep their hopes alive, and obviously, Alex did a tremendous job doing that, this team is not that, this team is already one of the best teams in baseball, they've got, you know, a fantastic roster, they've got starting pitching, they've got bullpen, they've got offense you know they got some guys coming back from injury that's going to help with their depth this is not so much mission critical as it was in 2021 Alex is going to be able to be a little more selective in what he wants he doesn't really have to go do any one thing and so you know that's a good spot to be in again we've said they don't have a ton of uh, they don't have a ton of ammunition in terms of prospects to use in trades um, which is going to obviously affect the type of player they go after but you know, we saw last year, rentals just don't cost a lot. And, you know, most teams have enough prospect capital to go get rentals. And, and if I'm, you know, if I'm a Braves fan, if I have to handicap it right now, that's where if the Braves do something, they'll, they'll lean heavily on the rental market. Guys who just don't cost a lot. Um, and I, 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 for one, trust Alex completely. He's shown he's just really, really good at this. He, he understands the clubhouse. He knows when a team needs a, uh, you know, an addition when the team doesn't. So, you know, it, it I could see a scenario where it's a, it's a semi-busy trade deadline and I could see a scenario where it's kind of a quiet deadline. If everybody's playing well and the injured guys look like they're on track to return, then, you know, it could be a very quiet deadline for the Braves. It wouldn't surprise me.
1: Well, I'm sure this is a subject that we'll revisit um, probably in detail again as we get closer. So uh, um, any, any final thoughts? I mean, uh, I think we've pretty much covered the roster up and down. So, uh, I think we can probably bring it to an end right here.
2: Yeah, I need A.J. Mentor to get out of this inning so the the Braves can score one in the ninth and win this game. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It really is. You know, it's going to come down to how many teams sell, how many teams buy, who's available, you know, if the Braves can stay healthy. But um, trade deadline is always fun. This will not be the last time we talk about it on this podcast, so. Stay tuned for more and, and we'll have, you know, all, all across our podcast network, we'll have coverage over the deadline, the draft, all-star game coming up. Obviously, there's a, a, a playoff race coming up. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're subscribed. Check out the site. And, yeah, go Braves.
0: Support for this show comes from Vanta. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to Vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS Viya the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.